Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Making Learning Special, where we discuss everything from strategies regarding early childhood development all the way to the realities of parenthood. I am your host, Madonna Lazo-Smith, and with me is my co-host and husband, Zach Smith. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. For this episode, we'll be talking about creating a healthy social-emotional environment for your child. So before I go into some practical strategies for you to implement at home, I want to talk to you about what is social-emotional development. And Zach, I will ask you first, before I go into it, Uh, you think social-emotional development is. Dang it. I was going to say, I was going to cut you off and be like, hey, before, why don't we have our, you know, why don't you explain what exactly that is? But you asked me and I'm like, oh, crap. (laughs) Well, Um, I want to know what you think first. Okay, social emotional development is obviously there's language development, right? How you how you act and everything. So I'm I'm assuming that social emotional development is is understanding and managing your emotions in a social environment. Mm. All right, thank you for that, Mister. Okay, so I'll (laughs) let you know what it is, and that was a bad fact, not bad at all. All right. Okay, so that's part of it: how we manage our emotions, our self awareness, empathy, sympathy, those pithy things, I guess you could say, how we could build relationships with others and ourselves, connecting with others as well, and basically your emotional intelligence, your EQ is what I would call it, your emotional intelligence. So that's what we'll be talking about today and how we build this in our kids. So I want to tell you guys a few key things and key factors. So I always say this, if you guys know me, and I even say this randomly in conversation where I say, you are your child's first teacher. Us as parents, we instill a lot of beliefs and morals in our children early on. And what research actually shows is other than your first five years being a lot of brain development happening, the first Um, three to eight years of a child's life, it's actually when major belief decisions that are carried on into our adulthood happens. So again, around three to eight years old, this this is when we start knowing what our major belief decisions are and we carry these things through adulthood. So we actually have a really big responsibility as a parent and parents greatly impact their child's perspective, their thoughts, their values, and all these different things, you know, we think, we think, oh, I grew up this way, or subconsciously, all these different traits are put and programmed in us because of what we grew up with. And sometimes we don't even notice that. But I also want to give you so so, okay, so that's very interesting that these you're saying that the major belief decisions that we make as kids happen between the ages of three and eight, which makes sense because around that seven, eight mark is when you really start to notice if a kid is kind of a quote unquote good kid or a quote unquote bad kid. So talk to me Thanks a little bit using about those quotes, by the way. Yes, I'm using the quotes because there's not there's no bad kid per se. They're just bad behaviors, right? You, you know, you got to look at the big picture. So, um, yes, note the quotes. Now, okay, so where are these behaviors learned from? And of course, they're learned from your friends, because you got to remember, too, we are our first kid's teacher, but that's only between the ages of birth to five until they get into the school system. And now they're exposed to teachers, they're exposed to classmates, they're exposed to all kinds of other things. So 
are they developing that major belief system on what you taught them or what their friends taught them or who they find more influential, a combination of everything? Like what, where's the most influence coming from when that, that, that makes a kid quote unquote bad or good? Well, it's exposure, right? So a lot of it early on is caregivers because they're exposed to us more often. And I'm saying caregivers because they might be spending more time with grandparents versus parents, for example, while parents are working. Um, but this is brings up a great point because, you know, as kids, first they start off with just thinking about their self. It's always me, 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 right? right? Mine, and mine, then mine. Their, um, so their world is small, the small, right? And then it gets bigger. As they get a little bit older, they they notice, oh, there's other people outside of me that think differently and they have different thoughts and they have different feelings and things like that. So that environment gets exponentially bigger, right? First they think, oh, I have my family. Oh, then I have my cousins and friends. And then there's this whole world outside of them and it just broadens and opens their eyes. So right now, um, as kids are little, of course, a big influence is you, right? But I also want to point out that as adults, I see sometimes as adults, we're like, oh, I'm, I do this because my mom used to do it, or um, I'm doing this because I was brought up this way. Mm -hmm. Just because we're brought up one way does not mean that we stick to that belief. Right. right. So um, automatically blaming your childhood or your past and things like that. I also want to mention that there's always a capability of change or you noticing that, oh, I was brought up this way. Maybe it's not a great belief. Let me change it up. Right. So I'm not saying that what we're doing right now with our ch um, children is end all be all. Right. Makes sense. You got to grow up one day and make decisions for yourself and not be a victim to your circumstance or your past and, and make decisions for yourself. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, but, but so, pri so primarily most of the influence comes from the parent slash caregiver. And then there's just external factors that would come from friends. Now, how does that play into the whole social emotional development side of things where there are a bunch of kids who are not on the same level? Does, you know what I mean? Like um, I, I might be wording this weird, but like, there are going to be some kids who are not at their EQ is lower than others. will say just because you're both seven, it doesn't mean you both act like a seven year old. So mm -hmm. the I guess the question I'm asking is do the being around other kids help their development, their EQ or make it worse? Or does that highly depend on who they're hanging out with? Okay. For little ones, right? Yeah. social interaction it's always helpful in one way or another parents even if it's a negative even yeah. if it's a negative relationship or a negative uh situation well because you could always learn from it it's always how mm -hmm. do you react from it how do you respond from it and as parents what do you do to help your child learn from that experience or not because what you're doing is exposing them to the real world really because i will tell you when i used to work at um, a um, preschool and i used to work for their special day class and there were kids who were higher um quote quote higher functioning versus kids who were um quote, quote, lower functioning. And sometimes some kids um, would have different behaviors from other kids. And some of these behaviors might be hitting or yelling mm -hmm. and things like that, right? So parents 
say, well, um, I don't know if I want my kids, my kid to be exposed to that because you know what? Kids learn from imitation, right? And some of these things happen. And as parents, we can sometimes prevent them and sometimes we can't. So we do our best. And if we can't prevent them, how do we as parents teach our child to learn from this? You know, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. That's my take on it. Okay. So I know you wanted to talk about some tips about how to develop the social emotional side of your children and increase their EQ. So I think that's a perfect segue to get into that. So why don't you just go ahead and hop in and talk about your uh, five practical tips to, to go ahead and do so. Yeah. So my first one, and this is a really good one because Zach always points this out mm-hmm. as a mom. So give your child room to be independent. And what I mean by this is letting them fall, um, you know, of course, fall safely, right? Letting them critically think for themselves and not always um, interrupting and going, oh, oh, let me help you and let them figure it out, problem solve those real life experiences as a little child. You, you want to be there as a mom or as a parent to guide them, but you don't want to limit them. So I mentioned that Zach always points this out with me because me personality wise, I'm, I'm the one, I'm the nervous parent in the playground. Even mm-hmm. when I was doing like um, in a, in the school, when I would be doing playground duty, I would be that nervous um, teacher or whatever they call it, because I just Ooh. think of, oh no, he's going to fall. Oh no. Right. Just mm. think of it that way. But I have to, again, take a step back. And remember that when your child is confident that they can do it, you don't limit them by being like scared. You can, but you can think it, you can think it, but not necessarily be like, oh my gosh, kind of thing. Um, So let them have their independence, let them fall, let them learn. Yes, I'm big on that. I'm going to have to interject here because you can remember we are our first kids teacher and if they get a negative vibe from something that they wanted to try they might not try it and we've noticed that firsthand with ace when madonna acts very nervous when she acts like she's like oh no no be careful don't do that ace is kind of a risk adverse kid or risk averse kid so if he hears that from her and he gets that kind of vibe he's not going to do it and that's going to limit his ability to go ahead and, and and try the things that he wanted to try because he took which is smart on his part because he's like oh if she's scared of it then I should be scared of it too so that's actually a smart thing but it's also a very limiting thing and something that you should probably actually try to avoid which Madonna does know so <laughs> <laughs> and then Proceed. one other thing too to note is that this is common in our culture and it's just you know yeah. it's something that we grew up hearing you know oh be careful and I say it too be careful be careful be careful but just note that um, what are you telling your child to be careful with about right right why why are you telling them be careful that's such a broad thing for a child a toddler a baby when you say that and what do you really mean so this is when the critical thinking factor comes in um you can tell them oh that looks a little slippery uh do you think it's safe? Or you can say, oh, okay, you're going up there and you're climbing. How are you going to get down? Just different ways of saying, be careful, right? And you also want to show them that you trust them by allowing them to explore and experiment in a safe environment. One other thing I want to mention is when babies, when they're um, mouthing things, right? Babies, 
eat every not eat everything well they do eat everything but they put everything in their mouth and parents are always taking it away taking it away or stopping it if it's safe for them to put it in their mouth i'm not saying put like you know a plug in the mouth but um if it's something that is clean or safe go ahead and let them explore it because this is actually part of development when babies mouth things and um, explore in that way when we're actually taking those things away we are limiting them exploring their different senses makes sense makes sense so uh number two Number two really goes into actually number one, and you kind of mentioned it too, Zach, that your words and your attitude matter. So I'm going to explore this a little bit more with you guys, okay? So your words and your attitude matter. What I mean by this, limit, for example, when you say no, don't water down the word no, maybe rephrase it. So what we are trying to do is instead of saying um, no jumping, no running, no, um, don't go on the table. You can reframe that, reframe that to saying, put your feet on the floor, walking feet, and tell them what you want them to do. Because oftentimes, sometimes kids, they either, um, they hear the last words of what you say. So when you say don't run, they run. <laughs> or they, you say no so much that it just gets watered down. Desensitized. Like, it's just like, oh, it's just that word again. It means nothing. It holds no weight. It loses its value is what you're saying. Exactly. Kind of the kind of thing with the good job. Like you said, don't say good job to your kid about everything and anything. Like you have to be very specific as to what you're telling them good job for, right? Good job doing this. Good job doing that. Not just like, good job, good job, good job. That's the same thing as watering it down with the, the nose. Know this, know that, know this, know that. So if you want words to carry weight, then you have to make sure that you're not just using it all the time as your 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 go-to word is what you're saying yeah and then i would also say that um it's not that you don't say no right but you do want to you want to say no um you want to save no for things that are really dangerous some things that are um really no right you want to hold that power of, of still having that no so this also doesn't mean that we don't discipline our child because disciplining your child is an act of love when you're not doing it out of anger when you're doing it out of purpose and for teaching right so again with with that word no remembering to rephrase it and same with good job i know parents have really good intention and i feel like i say this in a lot of episodes which is very true and that's why i say it is that Parents have really good intentions about what they do when they tell their kid, good job, good job, good job. But that can also get watered down, right? And then one other aspect of that is that maybe your child will be seeking for that good job. When you don't say it, then they're going to be like, oh, um, where's my good job? Or it just won't matter to them. My suggestion for you is being more specific and mindful when you are giving praise to your child and giving more intention for that. Give them examples. Oh, you're putting away those books really nicely. Thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you for sitting down on your chair while you're eating or, you know, things like that. And said, good job sitting. Good job. Um, good job this, you know, keeping it like that. And one other word I want to mention is the word yet. 
The word yet can be a very powerful word. Just adding the word yet in the end of your phrase when your child tries to do something and fails can make a big difference. And Zach and I can definitely um, tell you this. Um, Ace went through a phase where he would say, not yet. And Molly, did you do yeah. this? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> um, so this especially holds true for kids who are a little bit older and they have a bit more language and they are not able to do something and they're like i can't climb the stairs i can't do it well you can't do it yet and practicing to say that word in the end can be so powerful because they can try again so it right. keeps them more um, persistent makes sense makes sense all right number three Number three, so connect and bond with your child at their level. And this can definitely go with social emotional development because when we are just going to their level and connecting with them, we're valuing their feelings, value, um, putting emphasis on you matter, even though you're a little kid, you, what your, your opinion and what you're saying makes a difference. You're respecting that, um, their thoughts and their feelings, and you're allowing them to be creative and voice that out to you, things like that. So connect and bond with your child. And I will reference actually episode number one that we did when we talked about the different strategies. And I mentioned play with your child, this can definitely make a difference in their social emotional development because they feel valued, they feel loved, they feel like they're connecting and you have that bond with them. So go back to that episode and listen to it and you'll see a little bit more of what I mean. Unless you no. want to add to it, Zachy. <laughs> no, no, keep it rolling. What's number four? <laughs> number four. So um, this, um, the EQ part of it, social emotional development is huge with me. This is literally one of the goals of making learning special, um, bringing and building strong minds and strong relationships. And it has a lot to do with social emotional development. So my number four is talking to your child and repeating and mentioning to your child about your family values and you as a couple or as a family, knowing what your core values are and teaching it to them. Write it down if you have to as well. You know, Read books that have values, practice what you preach, teach opportunities as they come, things like these. You, know. you want to make sure that you know what your beliefs are. Like, um, for example, one of our family, um, family beliefs is, or values. Core values. Core values, not beliefs. Um, core values is to always stay green. So always learning, always being open to that, not just staying stagnant. That's one of our um, core values. And how we demonstrate that to ACE is that we are we do self-development things. We have discussions about our values. And um, what else, Zaki? Uh, what we do to stay green and learn. Yeah, or what what are our other family um, values? Oh no, that was a good one too. I think no, I think that was a good one. Uh, it's the there's a the saying is actually longer. It's always stay green because the moment you think you're ripe, you're rotten is really what it is. So we just believe that you're either getting better, or you're getting worse, and that there's always something more to learn. There's always you can always be better at some at something. Is is kind of what we what we believe because. When you think that you're at the top, the pinnacle of your game, you have nowhere else to go but down. Mm -hmm. So being very, at least for, for me, from an emotional intelligence level is just understanding that 
you can't be the best unless you are literally the best in the world of 8 billion people you are not the best and there's always much much more to learn so i guess from my personal emotional intelligence uh you know side i've i've learned that over time that you know you you got to understand when there's a time to increase your humility and when there's time to increase your ego but um that would be me talking about a whole nother topic so i will not go there uh, <laughs> well, I, just think- I mean, going back to um, giving your child room to be independent, it kind of goes with letting your child um, fail and um, so they learn, right? <clears throat> when you're always helping them and they're always successful, when you're not there, are they able to do it themselves, right? So right. letting them fail so they can learn, not necessarily, you know, just letting them fail. But this also kind of, um, I'm just this kind of goes with it, but I'm just going to say how we don't want to build false, a false sense of confidence in our children, right? And I mentioned this because there are kiddos that I work with, and this is normal for kids, of course, and adults that when they don't win, they get very upset, right? But when we're letting our kids always win, this is sent, um, giving them a sense a false sense of confidence for example and i know we're trying to protect our kids but ultimately this is enabling them so i actually despise that if i'm being completely honest to let your kid just win all the time just for the sake of artificially inflating his like his ego i think that's the worst thing that you can do to any child because they're just gonna again if you feel like you're on top of the world and on top of the game you have nowhere else to go but down and that works with your kids. So they're not going to ever feel like they have the, anything to work towards to become better because they already are the best. And you're just going to make them feel happy. And then what's going to happen when they go to school and they're picked last for, for dodgeball, if you want to use something stereotypical, and they get smoked. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? They're going to be like, oh my gosh, what happened at home and what's happening in reality is actually worse. And, and they're going to have a, 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 they're going to just get engulfed in feelings of like, I don't know, shame, worthlessness, whatever those words may be, because the difference between what you thought that you made them believe they were and what they really were is so, the discrepancy is so huge, it's going to just totally mess with their mind, totally mess with their mind. So I, I am not a fan at all of letting my kid win just for the sake of giving him like a little, a little pump to the ego. Can we let him win something here and there? Sure. Why not? But if I'm being honest with you, I never let Ace win. (laughs) I I never do, but I'll let it be close. And I always let it be an opportunity for him to understand that he lost because I've been, yes, exactly. It's like, Hey, Ace, I'm an adult and I've been doing this for a very long time. So I'm much more better at it than you. All it means is that you have, you have something to work towards so you can become better. So eventually over time, you're going to be able to beat me. Yep. I let him know that that's in his future. Should he, should he pursue it? Should he work hard towards it? So um, not necessarily one of our, I think it is one of our, or one of our family values actually is like, is like do everything with hundred percent intent essentially, right? Like no matter what you do, do it with hundred percent intent. Do not just uh, go half in half out to keep it PG uh, with what, whatever it is that you're doing. So I don't let ACE necessarily win hardly at all. But it's because I let them know that there's work that needs to be done. And there always will be because that goes hand in hand with always staying green. There's always something to learn. There's always a way to be better. And there's always, you know, you just got to practice that. And that's how that's my approach. And that's how I teach him. And he is very graceful in defeat. And I guess one I know one day he's going to eventually beat me and he's going to be like, all right, he's going to really be he's going to really feel that sense of accomplishment because he really won the right way. Not because somebody let him. Yeah. 
and we we instill confidence in him in other ways where he knows that he's able to do what he is able to do and we let him do his thing right yeah we Um, we let him know we let him know that not everybody's good at everything Mm -hmm. you just got to find what you're good at and for what you're not good at you just have to work towards it yeah exactly that goes with our family values and teaching him young he's about to be three years old and i've been instilling this since he was a baby i've literally been telling him teaching him young by the way this is number five start them young so go ahead perfect yeah and um you know sometimes as kids as little kids they might not always understand what you're saying but you are building this understanding in them even just going back into the speech and language realm language development you're talking and modeling that language to your child and even though they're not reciprocating right away immediately you are building these things in them subconsciously even so um you know one of the other thing is how you do one thing is how you do another and i've been instilling that in ace is one of our um, core values and um, i've been reading books or every time he wants to do something oh we have to put this back because you know we don't just leave it on the floor you, your toy might get broken we might step on it yada 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 things like that just little acts of hinting to him that these are what's going to also help you as you get older as an adult so we'll start them young is number five um those mindfulness kind of reflection i um i meditate for me personally and sometimes ace sees me doing that and he's like yeah. oh okay mom mom's meditating i remember one time he was just pretending and playing he literally sat down and closed his eyes and he's like i'm meditating and i'm like okay so he's understanding this that i i do these things and i'm he's seeing these things for me right and um you know i know for self affirmations for example they have to be backed up by you doing the work you following the process right but those are also important in kids because you want their self talk not to be putting themselves down of course but you have to teach them that you can't just talk good about yourself you actually have to act upon it because if you're just talking about it but not being about it then you're just a dreamer and that's also going to be a disservice to your kid when reality hits them hard. Mm-hmm. So, all right, that was that was some good stuff. So, just to briefly cover the five uh, five tips that you you that we went over. Uh, number one is give them room to be independent. Number two is understand that your words and your attitude matter. Do not water down words like no and good job. Make sure you're describing why you're using them. Number three, connect and bond with your child at their level. Number four is have family values and teach teach them, actually put them into play and implement them. And number five is start them young because they're never too young to start. All right. Thanks for summing that up, Zach. That's a good spot to wrap this episode up. If you're getting value from what we covered, remember to drop us a review and share the podcast with your family and friends. If you want to connect, make sure to find me on Making Learning Special on IG and TikTok, and we'll see you next week.